produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward here at TASA Midwinter in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Fernandez. We have a special guest joining us, friend of the program, Seeley Tiger, Superintendent Seely ISD, Dr. Brian Hallmark. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Rick. Well, we've braved the weather, the icy roads. We're here. We're at a great conference. I got to ask you, from, from an attendee perspective, were there any sessions that really sparked your interest? I think uh, there were several. I think, you know, it's it's a legislative year. So <laughs> yes, it is. You know, anything regarding legislative updates, you're kind of like, yeah. okay, we got to figure this thing out and, and where we're going. But then went to a session on uh, the teacher incentive allotment that uh, Kerrville ISD did. Okay. And they've got some good things going on down there. And that's, that's you know, it's, it's one of those pieces where there's a lot of unknowns about doing the teacher incentive allotment, right. how that impacts culture and, and those type things. But then it's also like it's what an awesome opportunity to award someone who is a phenomenal teacher. Absolutely. So speaking of the teacher incentive allotment, you know, I've had colleagues go through that process. I've investigated that process. There's a good, there's got to be a balance there, right? Because obviously you want to reward, but you also have to think about the, the snowball effect. And I know you're already doing some great things to figure out, you know, how to maintain that pipeline of teachers. I know you your work with uh, Hartwell University. Um, what other leadership sessions really spark your interest? I know the the priorities, but also just from your own personal learning. I think one of the things, you know, for me personally, some of the best learning I get is talking with colleagues from around the state. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, and it's not always from a session because there are lots of people that are having unique challenges in their district. And, and although your district's unique and, you know, things that go on in your community are, are very much about they only happen in your community, but there are lots of similarities too. And it's just Absolutely. great to be able to peek someone's, you know, pick their brain, figure out, you know, maybe how they've navigated an issue that, that you see that's coming in your district and those type things, and that's always fun. And then we had, you know, I thought uh, Brene Brown yesterday was yeah. great. Yeah, she's unbelievable. Great keynote. Yeah. That's, you know. How do you top that, right? right. No, no, she's, she's outstanding. Uh, let's go back to the district level. Sealy ISD, what do you guys, what's going on in Sealy? So we are, uh, we're, we're in the middle of doing a lot of, a lot of work in the area of teaching and learning. We went through a uh, strategic planning process. Okay. Started it this time last year. Just finished in the fall. Yep. And it was great. You know, great process. We we had conversations with about 400 staff and community. Wow. And and from there, kind of kind of set a direction for the district. Like, what is our picture of success? What do we want to be five to seven years down the road? And you know, it's 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 very. It's very refreshing when the community wants yep. something great for their kids. Absolutely. And they're willing to support us in doing it. And so it's, you know, from that process, it's like, okay, we have a direction. Now it's like, okay, well, what are the what are the <laughs> targets and goals to get us there? And then what's the evidence that looks Right. Like? Yeah, we got to execute yep. the plan. What, is there any nugget that came out of there that you were like, huh, I never considered that. That's that's interesting. That's a, that's a great perspective for, uh, from either the community or the staff. I think one of the one of the things that stood out to me was just that, like, and and I don't think it's isolated Sealy, but because of because of all of the you know 
social media platforms, right. you know, technology, instant access to whatever, Amazon. Yeah. I mean, you, you, could, <laughs> you could literally never leave your house, That's right? True. You get groceries, everything. Everything. And, and so just that, like, let's get back to that sense of community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when the school is the focal point of that, and so that was that was that was a really resounding message uh, from our community. Like, let's get let's figure out a way to get back to that. You know what? That that's a that's that's great that you're hearing that because oftentimes, you know, your communities, everybody's got a little bit of a different priority, right? And and obviously, they're worried about their kids or they're worried about their interest within the school district. Um, how how do you leverage both, right? Because I know. 100% you're trying to keep that sense of community, um, the Sealy tradition, but also we, all, we always have to be responsive to the technology and how that's growing and shifting. Is there a way that you can think that you would leverage both of those? Like we're gonna use this vehicle to enhance that, that feeling of community. I think, I, th I think you have to do that. Yeah. And you know, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, <laughs> technology's not going anywhere. And, and I think that is, the thing that we always talk about internally is like we used to hold all the knowledge. Yeah. You know, when me and you were in school, yeah. hey, here's your textbook, and if you can't find it there, go go check out an encyclopedia. That's right. right? The Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> and and the reality now is our kids have access to all of this information instantaneously. Yeah. Whenever they want it, and you know you've got the AI chat thing yeah. going on. It'll write a paper for you in like 45 seconds, and all of those things. And it's like we can push back against that or we can embrace the fact that our kids have all this knowledge and then how do we help them navigate that knowledge? What's, what's good, what's bad, what's accurate, what's inaccurate, and all of those things because, you know, whether we like it or not, our, our kids have to curate things now and, and that's the world they're gonna live in. And I think even for, even for people like us that are, that are parents now in the community, We've kind of grown accustomed to that instant access. <laughs> yes, we have. And so for us, like, like, a, like where those two things merge is how, how we communicate. Mm -hmm. And when we get people information, because if, if, I can, if I can research how to, you know, pick, pick out different customizations for a vehicle I'm going to buy, for instance, color scheme and all that online, but you can't communicate to me how my kid's doing in your classroom online. Like right. that's a, like yeah. people get frustrated. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's like, how do we hit all of those communication points using various tools? And we're not, we're not perfect at it, but I think we've come a long ways. So you bring up a, a great point with chat, GBT, and the open AI. And there's been a lot of fear, higher ed and, and K-12 about, we got to shut it down. Kids are cheating. It can do this. It can do that. And it is refreshing to hear an educator say, look, we can either, uh, you know, rebel and try not to utilize it, or we can figure out how we adapt to it and leverage it. Because whether we like it or not, like you said, our kids are going to have to utilize it. A hundred percent. And like one of the things that I asked myself, because I, you know, when you hear things like that and like, wow, you could cheat, you could do all these things, but, but the reality is, like, are we coming from a place where we're trying to control the knowledge yeah. that our kids get and we can't do that anymore? That, that's 100%. And, that's, and so, you know, I think about myself, like, like there have been instances in the last couple of years when I'm doing a project at home or, heck, even helping my kid with math homework. <laughs> 
you get online, <laughs> you get on YouTube, and you figure it out. And, and I mean, yeah, guilty, yeah. guilty as charged. Go get on YouTube and, and figure out how to fix your car, you know, <laughs> and you do it. And so, what our kids are doing is no different than that. No, we, it's just it's just an academic application. And so we're much better off teaching them how to decipher that information. And, and, and there's part of me as an educator, man, as long as our kids are getting that knowledge and getting educated, for example, if I'm going to, if I, if what we ask our kids to do with that knowledge probably needs to change. Right. You know, for example, if kids, kids writing a paper using AI chat, well, maybe it's not just writing a paper anymore. Maybe it's maybe it's presenting on that. Yes. Because if they whether they write that paper and there are skills they need to develop, no doubt. But if if they're really processing that information and can use that to explain explain to you and show their learning, mm-hmm. then then what are we complaining about? They're better off for it. Exactly. A hundred. I could not agree more. Uh, if anything, it it should force us to evaluate our assessment and, and think about what we're asking in terms of application. Uh, because their businesses are already figuring out how, all right, how does this, how does this make our life easier? Right. And, and what skills will our employees need to leverage this to make their clients jobs and lives easier? So guess what? When kids come out of schools, they're going to be expected to learn how to leverage. If it's not this, you know, Google. I mean, how, you know, we yeah. not Google stuff all the kind time. Of, it's kind of funny. I was talking to uh, Kevin Hodgins at Google the other day and ran into him at the conference. And he, you know, and he, he made the comment to me, like, we get to hire or we get to interview some of the smartest people yeah. in the world. Right. You know, and he said, but we hire problem solvers. And. You know, yeah. our, our kids are going to use some of those technologies to solve their problems. A hundred percent. It's it's not always the representation of, of academia in, in letter grades, right? I mean, we, we, we fuss at the state for their accountability system. But that's what the world's about is we've got this problem and who's got the solution and who provides it to their client, their customer, their school in the most efficient and user-friendly way. Yeah, 100%. Regardless of what that is. Now, the question is, because I, I love that, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad, selfishly, I'm glad that we're very much aligned on that. How do we reduce the fear of our teachers that are, and, and rightfully, I mean, I get it, right? We've, we've had this process, and now all of that work and all of that training could be navigated very easily and, and I may not know what a kid understands about the content. How do we remove that fear from our, our teachers and even our administrators at times? I think that is a, I think that's a million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and, but I think a lot of it goes to communication, being really clear what we want our kids to leave us with. Sure. And, and trying to find that balance of, you know, for example, if I'm going to, if I'm asking you to write a research paper or compare and contrast something. Right. And a computer AI can spit that out in 45 seconds. But I still need you to be able to organize your thoughts to do some of those things. And so, so what we ask, what we ask kids to do mm-hmm. and show mastery of that probably needs to look a little different. And we may not be able to rely if we want our kids to acquire those skills, we sure. may not be able to, to rely on the same types of assignments that we've asked them to do forever. So do you think this makes a stronger, even stronger case for more of the, the project-based learning uh, instruction where, you know, it's, it's all 
problem solving using a variety of of tools to have this this outcome uh, of a project. Do you think that's we're going to be shifting even further that way? I think there's going to be a big push for that. And if and if you look at what kids want, you know, like we talk about, we we talk about engagement in our district, and we and, and we use a lot of the a lot of the philosophical work of Phil Schlechty. On yeah. That. But when we talk about like when you talk about engagement, and when I was a when I was a teacher, and sadly when I was a young administrator, <laughs> I thought engagement was. You know, you're giving me your time and attention, right? And it's so much deeper than that because there's there's the there's the committed and persistent piece. And when we ask kids to shop, to solve authentic problems, then they're going to engage even when they struggle, right? And I think that's the that's the difference. Now, now we have a lot of compliant kids, and there's Absolutely. a lot of there's a lot of strategic and ritual compliant. And hey, I'm going to do this to get a grade to do these things. But then when the struggle ensues, yeah then it's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do this. And, yep. and, and, then, and then furthermore, you know, you, you talked about grading a little bit earlier. For some of those kids, if, if you're being compliant to chase a GPA, which is a reality for our kids, Absolutely, right? 100%. And, and, but if, if you're being ritually or strategically compliant to chase GPA, then when our system challenges you with something and maybe you don't get that A and you get a B or you have to rework, that is a, that's a big friction point. No doubt. Education. But if we really want kids to be problem solvers, they're going to have to be challenged with complex problems that they're not going to master the first time. And if they do, are they really learning? A hundred percent. So reframing it for the parents is going to be even more critical because like you said, you know, parents start and kids start with, with their goals and, and the chasing the GPA, and every district has a GPA game. No matter where you are, it is what it is, and um, parents uh, adjust accordingly. If we remove some of those carrots that have always been in place, and it's a little bit chaotic, you know, people people will be uncomfortable because they don't know what comes next. They don't know how to measure their success. They don't know what this means. When in reality, the the problems should represent what they should what they're going to see when they leave us absolutely and if those aren't aligned then what are we really providing them with you know you know i'll tell you right now one of my biggest fears is for a kid to go through our education system and the first time they experience failure is in life because sometimes in life you don't get you don't get second chances and all those like like we should have, we should be able to create an incubator space where you you push yourself to your max, and and it's okay to fail forward, get back up, iterate. Yep. You know. Yep. Figure it out. At the end of the day, whether or not you learned it is most important, not whether or not you learned it the first time. And and like I said earlier, heck, if you're learning it the first time, are you really learning? Exactly. Or or is it level? Is it level appropriate? Yeah. Right. All right, so I want, I want your thought on this. So one of the things I believe is the biggest barrier for, for educators, it's not really change. I mean, yes, change is hard, and it, it's always, it's particularly when you're moving big systems. But I think more so it's the acceleration, the rate of change. I think not only is it is it change, which is difficult, 
but it's so fast and it's now becoming constant from from one year to the next one semester to the next yeah. i mean we're we're going to get to a point where it, it comes down to to weekly to monthly where we're having to adjust based on the change whether it's the job market the technology how kids learn what's available to us how do we begin to understand we've got to be more nimble and we we proved that we can yeah. through covid when, but there was there was no other way so yeah. the the necessity provided the 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 urgency to do it you know i when 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 i look at at, at our own education system in Sealy, and and you look at you think about yes we need to be we need to be more nimble, more flexible. We need to be able to pivot all of those things. And, and the pandemic exposed some of that, right? Right. But then you also brought up technology and, and market changes and all that. Like the world is spinning much faster now yes. when, it, when it comes to those things. And so, but when I look at our system, it's like, okay, how do we support our educators in doing that? Because it's not that they don't want to change and that they don't, they, if, if you ask any, any teacher out there, they would they would do anything for our kids to be successful right right but they're going to have to work in a different way too but but my question to myself is does our system support that because if we have policies and procedures in place that are causing you to be rigid and not not give you the flexibility to change well that's where it starts right you know and and, and for example you take you mentioned you know problem based or project based learning earlier and and so Teachers aren't going to do that kind of learning in their classroom if I'm telling them, "Hey, you got to have 12 grades," right. and you know, every six weeks, four or every of them yeah. need to be major grades, and eight of them need to be yep. daily grades, and all of those things. Yep. Like that's just an example of how our system perpetuates that in you know that ability where you can't be flexible. How much of it is is because it's what we experienced as, as school students, and, and I bring up the example of, of career in tech, right? I, I because I've been through where I'm trying to reframe it for parents because as we ex, we experienced it maybe as shop or wood you know wood shop or or something of that nature, um, but it's always viewed in a certain light. Like all right, these are for the those kids that aren't going to college, um, but I think it's because of our the way we've experienced it when we were in school. So that's what we think it still is, as opposed to what it really is, which is high wage, high skilled career uh, accreditation and industry certification how do we get our mental block uh, because ultimately we're still making the decision our generations are trying to to lay the groundwork for the future generations but we still have the mental block of we we're stuck with either the grade system or yep. what we, how do we get off of that i think we've got to we've got to change what we value inside of our schools i mean you know whether whether i like it or not <laughs> Every every policy that we have in Sealy right now right. is telling you that we we value advanced academics. We value you playing that GPA game. Right. All of those things, and there's some merit to that. Sure. And for some kids, that is that's the right that, choice for that's some the kids. Right choice. Mm -hmm. But you know, I don't know what it looks like today. But but about three years ago, I know that 70% of kids graduating from a trade school were making more. Than kids graduating with a bachelor's degree. Yep. And so, you know, we've kind of we've kind of as a society in education, I think to some extent we've in the in the past we looked down on some of some of these professions. No question. Right? Blue blue collar. Yeah. And the reality is those are you know, those are very 
very skilled jobs out there and and, and professions and 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 i think i think too one of the things that we need to start doing is looking at there are different there are different areas of smartness right oh so without it i mean you to go to youtube to do any of that stuff yeah, absolutely i mean to even get close to yeah. doing it right so but but we you know we yeah. value we value smartness in well you're smart at math yeah you know right. you you have you know you have some kind of language ability where you're you're a great writer right. you're a great reader but there are other smartness profiles out there too that that no people, question you know people have gifts and it's it's just maybe not in an area that we've we've rewarded in academics that nail on the head we have not rewarded that creativity or that that intellectual capability because we've we've not really understood how that looks i think we've, we can easily say all right the sat scored this and gpa in this and you, you equate it with the number without thinking through all right this project requires a lot of creativity and understanding that i don't have spatial skills that i don't have uh, but how do you value that well i think you value it by, by how you value everything else and K-12, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and one of the things I, I, I am proud of that, that I did as a principal was, well, we would have signing day, right? Like, like everybody does, but we started having career signing day for all of our career and technology certifications because those kids were doing amazing things and they should be celebrated just like our athletes were, just like our top 10% uh, because they're the ones right now. You said it's recession. Guess who's got all the job security? Yeah. <laughs> our RCT folks, no doubt. And and do you think about you know you you think about a young young woman or a young man who who graduates with that skill goes into the workforce and they don't they don't wake up at the age of twenty twenty four or twenty five and I've got a degree and now what and right. I have I have a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and I have all of these things and and you know and and so it's it's very very lucrative for kids that are going into the workforce to get that specialized training that they need to be successful and, and move on. And we, and we have to start, we have to value that more. There's no question. So last question I went through, so you've, you've been here, we've been to some sessions, um, you've got to hear from some amazing leaders. What's a piece of advice you'd give a brand new or aspiring superintendent who attends conferences? What should they look for? What should they do? What should they seek out? I think you've got to find those, start with finding those sessions that align to things that you're working on in your district. You know, don't go chasing things. Right. And then, and then, and then also seek out conversations with other superintendents. And that, like, the thing that I love about education, you're not going to find anyone at this conference who's not willing to share yeah. something with you. And as long as you approach those conversations as I don't have all the answers <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn and, yeah. and, all those, man, the people here are fantastic. And I, I can't, like, there is no way I would be even remotely in the ballpark of where I'm at without the help of a lot of other superintendents across the state. Yeah, there's no question. And I think all of, the, all of those great leaders, and, and, and yourself included, would, would tell anyone who's asking, we don't know it all. Uh, we've got a, still got a lot to learn, but we'll help you any way, any way that we possibly can. Yeah, 100%. So. 
Well, to all our viewers, our listeners, please subscribe, hit the like button, put in some comments down there. And uh, Dr. Hallmark, man, I really had, I wish we had more time because I was really enjoying our conversation. And I mean, to hear you talk about how we need to shift, I, I think you are dead on. And like you said, the million dollar question is, how do we get everybody on board and understand our, our need to, to lean into some of these things and think about how we're, how we're assessing, how we're helping kids. So. Thank you, sir. It yes, was sir. great. Thank you. See the Tigers. Produced by Podcast Architects.